Stay. Stay. You stay in that bed. Don't give me that look. Okay. Phil, I thought you, I thought we were friends, Phil. Phil, hey Phil. <laughs> I thought we were friends. Don't you want me to lay next to you on the bed, Phil? I'm your you old lick friend. my Phil. I can lick my balls, Phil. I'm boy. I'm boy. I can, I can, I can do things. I like peanut butter, Phil. <laughs> That's pretty good. When I imagine boy, though, he sounds even dumber. Yeah. He just duh. Duh. Hey, Phil. Hey, Phil. Hey, Phil. You got some food? Yeah, I like peanut butter, Phil. <laughs> peanut butter. I want, I want to lick it off your finger, but not a spoon, because I don't trust the spoon, because it's cold. Uh, welcome to the Pot Charles Cinecast. Presented by the Prince Charles Cinema. This is your host, mm-hmm. Jonathan Foster, and I'm here with my American boy. Whoa, wait. What? That's I, you. I'm the American. Uh, sorry. I'm here with my American boy. royalty boy, Phil. We were uh, pretending that I was boy for any listeners that were confused. Phil's dog is staying with him and he's being very naughty. How's it going, Phil? How are you dealing with naughty boy? <laughs> <laughs> I'm dealing. I'm dealing. You know, I don't like to give a bad view. You know, I don't want to misrepresent boy. Yeah, he, can't defend, his boy, but he also- can't defend himself. But he, he he can't, you know, he doesn't have the word. That's why yeah. we give him the word. But he sometimes he's a little shit. Right now he looks fucking adorable because he's sleeping in bed. Yeah, but, good boy. You know, sometimes you just want him to stay over there yeah. while I'm I'm working. Oh, Bro, he has no respect. Yeah, I'll go away. You got no respect. Fuck off. Boy. No respect for the cast, you know, <laughs> for the podcast, if you will. The cine. Apart cast. from that, I'm okay. That's good. It's the naked. How are you? I'm all right, man. I'm all right. I'm uh, looking outside. You know, it's nice and sunny. And it's just like making me feel all right. You know, it makes you feel like, oh, there's there's a world out there. You know, and quite literally there is. And that's important to remember. I've heard. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard. I've heard. I've heard it flat, though. Flat. Flat earth. And <laughs> I've, I've heard it flat. Breadcrumbs? What's going on? <laughs> 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 have you seen anything good and new lately phil uh you know i'm watching um orange is the new black you, oh. you ever watch that no not yet i've always been kind of curious or meaning to but just haven't haven't jumped on it it's good man and it's fucking really watchable mm-hmm. like it's hard to stop watching yeah been like binging it lately and it's very appropriate now because it's about a bunch of women in prison and that's basically what our lives have become. <laughs> I was like, I was so confused. <laughs> I'm like, wait. I was like, what happened? Prison? Is there a Lockdown. Lot of, prison? There's a lot of women in prison? Is it my political material? <laughs> yeah, there's like loads in the box. <laughs> yeah. No, I've, uh, I've just been like catching up on uh, Shit's Creek because I spend so much time watching stuff that I've already watched 10 billion times that like when I yeah. finally get around to something to me that's new it's already like six or seven seasons in, or it's done or yeah. something you know yeah. so yeah, that, yeah I mean you know it'll be like 
10 years from now by the time we get around to Orange is the New Black, I'm sure. But, you know, I'll make it there uh, eventually. <laughs> eventually. I'm yeah. sure. I'm and sure. It'll probably, probably don't be good. Yeah. It'll probably be, like, revived at that point. It'll yeah. It'll be, like, Twin Peaks to return and shit. Third revival. So they'll be reading. Yeah. <laughs> but then you'll be, like, waiting for that revival to end. Yeah. You can binge the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. What about new, new movies? Any new movies? Anything new? No. I'm like you, man. Fucking, I sit down, I want to watch something, and I end up fucking watching 21 Jump Street again. Yeah. You know? Like, just something comfortable, something fun. Yeah. I don't watch anything new in a, in a while. I want to, though, because a bunch of stuff is coming out. Um, oh, it is. And fucking, we have to go... It is. I mean, <laughs> that's what we're doing. Yeah, that's what we're a doing. A bunch of stuff is coming out this month that I really want to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, the Golden Globes just happened, and the Oscars yeah. are going to happen, and it's like, no matter what, even I'm stuck at home, mm-hmm. and all I can do is really watch stuff, and I still haven't watched, like, any of the movies <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've been, like, nominated. Yeah, And that's either. usually my stick. Because they're movies, nobody watches anyway. Hot, you know what I mean? And then I'll, like... I remember last year, which is weird now, but like going to watch like 1917, Parasite, Little Women, all in like a week, mm-hmm. trying to like watch everything that had been nominated. And it feels so far away. That feels like those movies came out. Good. <laughs> yeah. I, um, think I do that a lot as well. Like I won't watch everything, but at the same time, you know, I'm kind of with you, like where you said that it's like no one really wants to watch any of those films. Like I, th- I feel like a lot of times we're like conf- we're trying to like confuse ourselves that like we actually like um, film or like that these movies are good, <laughs> like just because they're nominated for awards and it's like being told that you're good. Not all of them are that good, but whatever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's besides the point. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I find award season always kind of lame and slightly depressing, and it's even more lame and depressing this year if they're on Zoom. It's like God, we've spent our entire lives on zoom in the last year the last thing i want to do is watch like people i don't actually really care about um <laughs> accepting phony awards for films yeah. i don't care about in their house yeah in their yeah. house except for jason sudeikis like you know totally high cool. and, yeah. and, uh, and, and and you know and it's like hoodie. cool he deserved that yeah he fucking deserved he it. deserves he deserved it. everything good he'd had a hard year <laughs> he's had a hard year it's a very hard year <laughs> Yeah, his wife ran off. You yeah. know, with, with Harry the guy Stark. from One Direction. Come I on, know, what a downgrade! <laughs> you had Ted Lasso. Yeah, Ted Lasso, and you, you went know? for Harry Styles. Cool. Arianne's gonna stop listening, just so you know. I I think more more of these people should be dressing down at these occasions, and like, you know, there there was a lot of funny tweets about uh, whether or not like the standards for women and stuff versus men because they were using Jason Sudeikis and stuff. I'm just like, but yeah. who gives a shit about like red carpet <laughs> dresses? Like, no, I don't know. Like, I don't tune in for that. I mean, some people do and they genuinely do and they want to see do. them all and that's fair enough and they like it. They like uh, how glamorous it all is, but it's like, come on, man. Like, it doesn't matter. Are you saying you don't want to... You don't want to cover the red carpet Oscar with me? I thought that was like our thing. <laughs> that was our plan. I thought we were going to be like the new Joan Rivers. You yeah. Know? I thought we were going to do uh, the Pod Charlies this year, Phil. Like, I thought that's what we were doing. Like, we were covering all the red carpet looks and all the hit films. You know, I don't it's know. never going to happen. It's never going to happen. <laughs> Pod Charlies are never going to happen. Never going to happen. Well, 
As we mentioned, though, at the end of last week's episode, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to move into um, <laughs> actually the reason why you're here. Um, <laughs> We've um, moved away. Oh, my God. From our weird 1996 and 2001 ping pong match. Thank God. That was actually uh, amazing. Just just kidding. R.I.P. Because that was that was fun. Uh, going through all those I weird, some yeah. good, some bad, some, were bad. some crazy. So um, yeah, it was it was yeah. a fun thing to do. Who knows? It's it's uh, early days yet, and we may jump back into 1996 and 2001 films. I think there are a few more on the docket that are coming up because, hey, it's uh, easy programming. You know, just like hey, pick a cool film that has an anniversary. <laughs> there you go. Cool. That's how you make a podcast. Um, but yeah, we're moving into like we mentioned last week. What we're kind of dubbing, unless if Phil came up with a better name. No, no, all right, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> These reboots were made for walking. <laughs> I'm bad at this. Yeah, I got nothing. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, we're going to be looking at some classic films that this year we'll be seeing either a new sequel, a reboot, or a remake released. And we kind of got the ball rolling a couple weeks back with. Everybody get up. It's time to slam now. Space Jam episode. Hit him high, hit him high. <laughs> yeah, because uh, what Space banger. Jam. What fucking, no. Yeah, no, let's no, just no. go. Like, we fuck didn't, it. Let's just talk about We that. didn't praise it enough. We didn't praise we didn't that soundtrack the, nearly enough. I feel like people don't understand how good the Space Jam soundtrack it's is. It's so good. It didn't have to go that hard. But it, it didn't. It's I'm so, still looking it, for a copy. Uh, like, I don't think we're ever going to get anything close to that. Ever again. I think it really does have yeah. to do with Sill. Like, if Sill's on your soundtrack, <laughs> you're going to have a good time. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have a good time. Yeah. If you have a soundtrack without Neil, you're going to have a good time. I'm not even lying, dude. Like, I did an episode. Hey, there's a plug here. Um, coming out f- probably in, I don't know, a few weeks uh, for the A24 project. Go check them out. We're talking about mid 90s and uncut gems, and the mid 90s soundtrack is sick. And you want to know why? Because it's got a lot it of good stuff on it, but it also has Kiss from Rose by Seal on it. So, hey, you're going to have a good you time. You can't go wrong. Yeah. So, get Seal on your soundtrack. Wrong. You want your fucking movie to be awesome and your soundtrack to be cool. Kiss from Rose. Pay Seal some money. <laughs> <laughs> this is an ad for Seal. Seal's paying for this podcast. <laughs> Every time a new movie comes out, I immediately look at the soundtrack. And if there's no new, I'm like, that's cool. If you want your movie to bomb, that's cool. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah what is that movie where Theo gets mauled by a tiger oh that's Popstar that is Popstar yeah oh man episode one I couldn't place it in my head all the way back episode one wow. of this podcast throwback holy crap dude this wow. is episode 90 wow I know we're almost at 100 holy cow I feel good what should we do <laughs> what, what should we do for 100 ladies and gentlemen what should we do should you guys cancel it have any good ideas? yeah should should, should we, that just be the final episode uh let us know because just end it just fucking end it just fucking end it we should just talk about movies with a hundred in the title what about three hundreds we'll do three hundred twice three times three times sorry <laughs> twice three I don't times. Know a lady. no we'll do a th- no we'll do a third of three hundred <laughs> just review the first. <laughs> that's probably all i'll be able to get through before i'll just like say this movie sucks <laughs> <laughs> we just watched the first half an hour and we're like okay what do you think if the dude do doesn't kick the guy into the pit within the first like 
third of that I'm film. Done. I'm turning it off. <laughs> All right. We'll think about it. See this what people Sparta. think. Yeah. See what they want. If Let us know. Hit us up at the PCC podcast on uh, Twitter or Instagram, or you can send an easy email. Podcastsupremeshowcinema.com. Yeah, let us know. Well, uh, but yeah, we're in reboot month, and uh, we're officially kicking off reboot month with a bona fide classic. Phil, what film yeah. are we talking about today? Uh, um, I want to get it right because we actually haven't mentioned it yet today, and I've might have forgotten what it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But I believe I, I have to be funny if I said the wrong one. But I believe it. Coming to America. Mm. Yeah, the, well, the first one, not the two. Yeah, coming not, to not, not one America. Coming one America. Coming one America. One hundred America. The first coming. <laughs> <laughs> Once upon a time, in a faraway kingdom lived a handsome prince. He was attended by devoted servants. Do you think perhaps just once I might use the bathroom by myself? Most amusing, sir. Wipers! And engaged by royal decree. Why? Why can't I find my own wife? We've gone to a great deal of trouble to select for you a very fine wife. I want a woman that's going to arouse my intellect as well as my loins. Where will you find such a woman? In America. So he traveled across the sea to the land of opportunity, which is where the fairy tale ends and our story begins. Behold, Simi, life, real life, and seeing that we have been denied for far too long. We're in New York now. Let us dress as New Yorkers. I feel like a complete idiot. Have either of you ever had any fast food work experience before? Certainly not. This will be our first job in the United States. I am Akeem. It's nice to meet you, Akeem. I have recently been placed in charge of garbage. That's good to know. Oh my goodness, it is you! Greetings, your highness. Who was that? Eddie Murphy. Just the man I met in the restroom. Arsidio Hall. Ah! In a comedy fable of royal romance. When I look at these contestants for the Miss Black Awareness pageant, I feel good. Apparently, these are the best women Queens has to offer. Pick one and let's go home. I want to tear you apart. And your friend, too. Coming to America. Sir, I was wondering, did you happen to catch the professional football contest on television last night? No, I didn't. Oh, it was most exhilarating. The Giants of New York took on the Packers of Green Bay. And in the end, the Giants triumphed by kicking an oblong ball made of pigskin to a big H. It was a most ripping victory. Son, yes. you want to keep working here. Stay off the drugs. Yes. Prince Akeem. Eddie Murphy. Ooh. Mm. Back. Oh my God. First episode mm. of yes, 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 the yes, year yes, yes. we had this man on here. And we're back. So it's like it's linked anyway. Uh, yeah. Prince Hakeem <laughs> is heir to the throne of Zamunda. 
After his parents, the king and queen, James Earl Jones and Madge Sinclair, respectively, mm, arrange a marriage for Akeem on his 21st birthday, the wary prince, tired of all the pampering and lack of choice in his love life, leaves the tropical paradise kingdom in search of love and in search of his queen. What better place than Queens, New York, to find his bride? Joined by bride. <laughs> his loyal servant <laughs> and friend, Simi, Simi, uh, <laughs> Simi. Simi. Uh, Arsenio Hall. You have a twin brother also named Simi. They call him Simi. <laughs> Simi. Uh, Akeem <laughs> attempts to blend in as an ordinary American and begin his search for love. It's the 1988 romantic comedy from director John Landis. My boy. Maybe. I mean, I still kind of weirded out kind about of that. Problematic that, boy. That, that, that Twilight Zone Kid thing. killing incident. Oof. Yeah. Uh, Phil, hot takes out the gate. Coming to America. John Landis and the Ben Franklin of uh, the... <laughs> the kid killer. <laughs> I mean, that's not even funny because you know, he actually did kill someone. <laughs> Benjamin Franklin probably didn't. <laughs> I'm throwing my hand up for anyone. Throw hands up. Like, yeah, we're throwing hands up. We don't know. We don't know. I'm throwing hand. Uh, what? What do you want? Hot takes out the gate. America? Coming to America. What? Where you at? Hot, hot takes? I mean... Do we need hot takes? I don't think I don't think I have any controversial uh, any. This film sucks. This film blows. Um, no, this film is fucking great. It's yeah, coming to America, it's like a comedy classic. It's fucking <laughs> two of the best. It's Eddie Murphy and John Landis. This and like Trading Places, like back to back, which is are like two of my favorite comedies. Mm-hmm. And I go back and forth on which I prefer, but Coming to America has such a specific charm to it yeah. that I don't know if it can be replicated. Again, that's why I'm not worried about the second one, although it looked good. But it's just the fucking, the cast and it's setting and it's just really funny. It's really off the wall and it's insanely quotable. I, I really like Coming to America. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think it's so 80 comedy in like one movie. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. You can, and it comes to the end of Sort of decade, and it does feels like it does a lot of what other movies were doing, but just better because it's like learned. Like any movie, just got better. You know, Forty Eight Hours and great in hindsight because he would do so much better. Yeah, yeah. He got Beverly on carpet and all that on such a role, like the like such a role. God, it you know, in a way, I guess coming to America, sort of almost like would be the sort of end of that 80s run. I mean, obviously, just because it was. Yeah, yeah. It was like the, you know, the 80s, but it, it, it was, sorry, it was the end of the 80s. But yeah, I mean, he he heads into the 90s with like another 48 hours, Boomerang, mm, Beverly Hills Cop 3, Cop 3, Vampire in Brooklyn. So, I mean, it was like, night this was like his last really great movie of his like crazy peak. You know, like his crazy, yeah. crazy 80s era before he moved into like, hey, Nutty Professor 1996. Like that was his coming back party, you know, when he like became the uh, family man and a little little bit more toned down. But we're going back in time here, ladies and gentlemen, where we're going back to like, you know, just crazier Eddie Murphy. Like, you, But the thing is, even even so, he's so different in this film as well. And it's kind of funny how it plays into so, sort of like what was going on behind the scenes and stuff. Cause like he's so mm-hmm. he like Prince 
Akeem is like so likable and he's so like charming and it's different character, almost kind yeah. of the antithesis of like what you expect from a lot of like Eddie Murphy films where he's a little bit more crass. He's very sweet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like, you know, desperate for like when he does find, uh, fuck, what's her name? I remember the, sorry, because I like, I remember the actor's name, but Lisa. Lisa, thank you. Lisa. Lisa, when he finds her and he's like, you know, trying to flirt with her in the office and he's like, you know, when you think of garbage, think of a kid. <laughs> yeah. And it's just very, very sweet. And yeah. like, Simi kind of turned into the more classic Eddie Murphy character. Yeah. It, it, maybe it's most robust in terms of performance because, I mean, like, like Professor, he played multiple people in this movie. Absolutely. So did Antonio. Yeah. And obviously, famously, the barbershop guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for years, I didn't know he was the old Jewish, the old Jewish man. Yeah, you know, aha, 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 that guy. Yeah, yeah. dude, this <laughs> he kicked your Lewis in there. <laughs> <laughs> this film's amazing though, because like is incredibly funny. There's a lot of like, like you know, you've got sweet Eddie Murphy, but Arsenio Hall doesn't get enough love, I think, because he's really, really funny in this. He's like, great. so funny. Yeah, the like all the characters they play are so fun the music's really fun and then there's like so many dumb like really good jokes that are in like embedded into the film that they created for this film that kind of links into the soundtrack a little bit as well which we'll get to just let your soul glow (laughs) yes yes soul glow is one of my favorite things um yeah so this film's crazy good i mean is it also dare we say like i guess like one of the last good John Landis films as well. He, he same thing. He had a great run in yeah. the 80s and then it sort of petered out. Yeah. It would, yeah. I mean, if it hit 2000 stuff, it's even worse. It's like, it just gets, it's just something. I don't know what it, and there's something about this movie I would, I want to point out. And, and I think it's just a John Landis comedy thing. There's a, a way comedy look now. Yeah. That it, I mean, they look like shit. Anyway, they, they <laughs> shot like TV. They, yeah. you know, what I mean, there's no like filmic yeah. sort of style to them, which annoying. Comedy is inherently heightened material, and because of that, it feels like you they don't live in a completely realistic world mm-hmm. because you know you have to force joke that situation. You have to kind of get people to say things that they wouldn't normally say in a situation. But the comedy, you forgive it, and I feel that with movies now and it feels like they take place in their own weird cartoonish world but like coming to america and trading places and like blue brothers and stuff like that they feel very gritty yeah in yeah, a yeah. way comedy just yeah. don't anymore they like they come to queen and they are in queen that movie crash land it goes it like he really does the juxtaposition great of coming from this beautiful paradise of mm-hmm. lamunda and the kingdom he grew up in to like a fucking broke out apartment <laughs> yeah. queen and the people like steal their shit off the street and like yeah. that's a running joke in the movie and it just looks but it looks like new york did back then like taxi driver it's like it's actually a really authentic snapshot of the city at that time yeah while still having it's realistic while still being able to have like eccentric characters I get the yeah. thing. No, I, I something I, I really like. Every I time I watch it, I notice that. You know, um, I was on a caged in. God damn, I keep doing these plugs, but I, like I'm doing doing the Rocky episode uh, with with uh, yeah for the couple of Petros connections for the couple of connections. Go check that out as well because uh, Petro's got a really cool thing yeah. on the caged in. But yeah, man, it's like 
it that looked fucking cool because how gritty it looks and this is like very similar to that like you said it's like just looks gritty and now a lot of these comedy films and just films in general just look really i don't know everything's so polished these days and it's because we're in this hd generation and stuff i guess but like it's i don't know it just like we don't i don't think anything like looks really just cool and legit and like there's not many films that just like capture sort of a realism of an area like they used to and like yeah yeah man this film's crazy that that scene though like you know those scenes shot in in supposedly queens you know it's actually brooklyn as well which maybe like even helped out um a little bit more (laughs) i I kind of like the fact though that the cab driver he just he was like queens but this dude's wearing a fucking mets hat he's like shitting on queens like why would you want to go to queens when he's like he's wearing a He's wearing a Mets hat, which is they're 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 the Queen's team, man. Like, come on, you gotta you gotta love yeah. you gotta love flushing, man. Represent. On, represent. You're wearing the yeah. hat. You can't be hating on the place. But then again, they are like these yeah. rich people. Fake like, Why would you want to come here? <laughs> but yeah, no. This yeah, it's a real shithole, all right. <laughs> this film's incredible. I think before we get into it, because there's a lot of interesting sort of things that are kind of going on behind the scenes. Uh, I think maybe we should get in the mood a little bit and you know, get our energy levels going. Although I feel like our energy's pumping, man. Just CD, CBD oils in the eyeballs and stuff going crazy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Phil, let's call a snack time. Thought it was alright, you thought it was over, but now you're having snack time in lockdown. Three point snack time. Snack time. Snack time, boys. Snack time, snacky boy. Do you want to? Do you want to go first? Yeah, I can go first. Mine's kind of lackluster. Um, but I was trying to think, like you know, it's coming to America. I'm an American, and I like to. I like to say that, like America. You like, are one of my favorite things about it is, and things I miss the most about it is the the snacks, the food, the food, the snacks, and um, and I I wanted to the get something. I wanted to get something kind of cool, like. You know, something like if I were to go to America, what would I want to get? You know, if I'm going to America, what am I getting? And I, I just didn't have time to get like goldfish or Cheez-Its because those are some of my favorite things in the world. So I was just like, another thing that's kind of easy to get here at every supermarket these days. Um, but something that I kind of like a lot is, uh, hey, Pop-Tarts. And I don't have them often because they're not that healthy. Nice. But um, I decided to get some uh, Pop-Tarts for this. And also I don't like... The what flavors flavor? here. This is a uh, strawberry. It's like it's okay. It's like strawberry's yeah. okay. I'm not a big chocolate pop tart guy because I think it's kind of crazy, and I think all the flavors that they have in America that you might see at those American, you know, sweet shops are kind of like silly and out of control. Like you know, s'mores and double chocolate rainbow unicorn bullshits. Yeah, um, roadkill. <laughs> roadkill. <laughs> But in America, you can get some really good flavors. Like blueberry is like a solid flavor that they just don't do here. Um, nice. Cherry as well is, is better than the strawberry. But anyway, you get the strawberry pop tarts today. You get ASMR for you. You're not gonna, You're not gonna toast them. Nah, fuck that. Maybe toast. Nah, them. what the fuck? You gonna nah. eat them raw? What the no. fucking wrong with you. You know what's even like better? Though? You know what's even better is uh, store brand. 
Pop-Tarts in America. Like they're just like toaster pastries from like Walmart. Dude, so much better than the actual Pop-Tart brand. It's kind of crazy. They're killing them at their own game. <laughs> man, try it. These are all right though, man. I got to get, because I love Pop-Tarts. Solid four um, crowns. Four what? Crowns from crown. Four, no, four, <laughs> four lion sashes. <laughs> four, uh, yeah. Uh, no, I'm going to do a dirty one. Um, <laughs> I'm what do you have? mad for, I'm mad excited for my snack time. All right. Voice.com. Is Boy really excited as well? Yeah. 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 I have. Yeah, hey, you have a two part. It's a two for. Oh. I have a two-parter. The first part are French fry crisps. Oh, oh dude. And nice. Palm stick? You're ready. They smoke it. I'm going to try these first. They taste pretty good. Yeah. Salted. I've never heard of those at all. Where'd you get them? Dusty got them for me at like a corner shop. They look like Polish or something. Yeah. They're really good. Nice. Do they taste like French it, fries? It's like... Not really. <laughs> they just taste like ready salted sticks. Yeah. But they're good because they taste like, um, you know, like the end of a bag. Yeah, and yeah, you yeah. just have like just the, the crummy left. Yeah. But that's like the best bit. <laughs> Well, how many, like. how many Ooh, uh, cheetah sashes are you giving them? I am not done. Hey, you got to give my snack. each snack a ranking. I'll give the... Uh, Nobody told you to bring a four. A four. A, Damn. a four, but I think it's about to go up. Because okay. I also have... We're going, I'm going with the McDonald's theme. I almost just ordered McDonald's. But <laughs> yeah, me too. That would have been really annoying it. to do. Yeah. I figured it would have been gross by the time I got here. Yeah. Coming to America, McDowell is mm-hmm. constantly getting sued by McDonald's. And I was like, get some French fries. But you know what? Classic McDonald's. A McFlurry. Ooh. A homemade McFlurry. Dusty made this for me. Again, because so you're not making anything. Dusty is I don't make anything. everything for she you. She's <laughs> the idea. <laughs> I'm just the guy on here eating. Yeah, you're just, um, this is like typical. You know, the woman does all the work and has all the great ideas and you're just some stupid white man over here. All right. I don't need that. I don't need that. I can walk. I don't. Yeah, I can walk. I, don't need, I didn't need such a personal attack. All right. Didn't have to go that like, didn't have to do me like that. All right, what flavor are we No, at? maybe I won't even have the snack. Maybe I won't even have the snack. Fuck you. What flavor McFlurry? Okay. Are we are we are we gonna behave? Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's um it's just uh soya milk and we had some vegan ice cream in the freezer. It's like cookie dough and brownie flavor. Nice. We blended it all together and put it in the freezer. Hell yeah. And I'm gonna have I've already had some, I already know this is fucking good. So again, two for this is gonna give me a mad brain freeze. But this is the McFlurry. That's really good. Really cold, nice. but this is what I'm gonna do. This is what you do at McDonald's. Oh uh, this man, is what don't you be dipping do. those fucking. You dip them, bro. These bro, you take crazy French fries and you fucking there. dip them. Bro, what you, what, what's your problem <laughs> today? 
<laughs> look, you take this. I can't really dip because it's quite solid. But look, look at that. Beautiful. <laughs> now I'm going to try both. That's okay. a five out of five. I can see five why you're so, you so defensive about me asking for your rating so soon because you really had to put them together. Yeah. All right. Well, so bring out the best in each. Five. Okay, we're done. We made it. Five <laughs> cheetah sashes <laughs> out of five. <laughs> That's pretty I'm just good. gonna eat for the rest of this. So I'm gonna pour like I'm pouring it into the McFlurry like a goddamn madman. Yeah, Phil just decided to bring the like loudest fucking snack to snack time. So I'm just gonna have to like mute his whole entire fucking track because it's just gonna be him crunching and stuff. Uh-huh. Oh my god. Uh huh. <laughs> I'm just going to like let you finish. It's going to be like Go awkward, on. awkward uh, podcast. <laughs> this is what snack time should actually be. Yeah, just you just sitting, have to sit and wait. Sitting here waiting. It's actually a, it's it's like like a lunch break. The Santa Claus when they're waiting for him to like finish eating his. Like, <laughs> his and the Jeopardy music can play. And he takes that last. That last spoonful. Boom, boom, boom. Beasting. Apparently I'm allergic. Okay, fine. Yes. All right. Coming to America. So, as we know, coming to America, we would see uh, John Landis and Eddie Murphy team back up after, as Phil already said, their 1983 hit comedy Trade in Places. Also, interestingly enough, in 1983 was... The tragic anthology film called The Twilight Zone Movie, which if you remember... We did that one. All the way back on episode 60, 30 episodes ago, where we talked about that film. Also, Phil, I just kind of remember when I was doing prep that episode 60 is where the verb Gone in 60 Seconds comes from. (laughs) And that was the reason why we were going to do Gone in 60 Seconds. (laughs) <laughs> Son of a bitch. I, how did I forget that? Yeah. Twilight Zone? No, no, we it didn't. It was Twilight Zone. So we were trying to remember, like, for the last few weeks that we keep bringing up Gone in 60 Seconds. It's just like, huh. We should do, we should do that for the 100th episode. <laughs> <laughs> the lost episode. If anybody <laughs> wants it, the lost episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So during the filming, if you remember from that episode, the Twilight Zone movie, John Landis's segment, we kind of, I mean, we joked about it a little bit. It's kind of bad, but, you know, I think sometimes when you feel uncomfortable about things, you start to joke and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't make up for it. It's kind of horrible. We shouldn't have been joking about this. But there was this terrible helicopter crash on the set that killed the segment Star Vic Morrow and two children, which resulted in this nine-month trial where John Landis and four other crew members were charged with involuntary manslaughter. So fucked up. So now in the end, John Landis... And the four others, they were acquitted, but his reputation was ruined. As we learned in that episode, he lost Steven Spielberg as a friend, and he was sued by the family members of the victims before, you know, basically being forced to settle out of court for undisclosed sums. So he was hurt financially as well. So in the subsequent years between Trading Places and the Twilight Zone movie from 1983, Landis released some pretty lackluster films that include some that you might like, but I mean, for the most part, they were lackluster in their terms of performance. So he did Into the Night, 
Spies Like Us, uh-huh. Three Amigos. Three Amigos. And yeah, I knew you, you, you're you a Three Amigos fan. It's my, fan, my favorite. I love it. <laughs> Amazon Women on the Moon. And you know <laughs> this this was all while he was dealing with this trial and stuff around this time. So yeah, pretty horrible time. Eddie Murphy, on the other hand, he was on the up and up. Trading Places was a huge hit. Bigger than his first picture, 48 Hours. And he was basically just printing money for Paramount Pictures, who he was under contract with. Dudley Moore had this film called Best Defense that was just doing really I had that movie on DVD. Did you? Is it good? Have you seen it? Yeah. No, it's terrible. Yeah. Okay. It's meant to be bad. (laughs) It's actually awful. There's a few funny moments. Yeah. There's like one scene where they interact over the phone. It was clearly yeah. Eddie Murphy would cut into that movie. Yes, he was. But it was just at a time. It was at a time where like those were like my heroes when I was a kid. I was like <laughs> love Eddie Murphy and I loved Peter Cook and Dudley Moore. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god, they were in a movie together. I didn't even know. I like picked <laughs> it up and bought it immediately. I watched it and I was like, that was fucking horseshit. Yeah. We can't touch Eddie. It didn't <laughs> hurt him. Touch- <laughs> it didn't hurt him at all. When Dudley Moore's best defense did poorly in the previous screenings, they cut in. A completely unconnected Eddie Murphy plot to try to save the movie, which in the end probably made the film even worse because it made no sense and just kind of they took away it's scenes really that actually helped make sense in the film that would have like <laughs> helped the film to put Eddie Murphy in. So yeah. Uh but despite this, Eddie Murphy, you know, he he was fine. He did fine and he started his own sort of production company that was in association with Paramount Pictures, and he went on to do Beverly Hills Cop. Beverly Hill Cup. And he followed that up with The Golden Child. Underrated. And he followed that up with Beverly Hills Cup 2. And also, Eddie Murphy Raw. And that's all in like a four year space. Holy shit. You know, we talked about like Michael Jordan. Like, you can't, you can't, we can't put into word, you can't understate how big Michael Jordan was. Eddie Murphy was the same thing. You just yeah, forget because yeah. it's been so long, but Huge like at the time, was a fucking megastar and mm-hmm. genuinely funny. Like one of the few that have been able, you know, like obviously huge Hollywood megastar, mm-hmm. but like really well-respected comedian. Yeah. Considered one of the best to ever stand on a stage and tell jokes. And Absolutely. He didn't even do it for very long. Yeah. That's how fucking good he was. People beg him to do it again. Maybe we'll get that. That'd be amazing. Can't, we can't like put into words. Yeah, I mean, he was like a no, I'll just say that pop then. star. I mean, he was he was huge. He, he like also made music. Yeah, true. Yeah, and I didn't even mean party it that all way. The time. Said, party all <laughs> yeah. the time. I didn't even mean it when I said it that way. It was just the fact that like him, like you know, him and his like leather suits and like he had just this aura about right. him that just he was larger than life and was a huge, 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 huge star, and all these films did amazing, you know, is is crazy. So Eddie Murphy, you know, he had this story and he developed the idea with former Saturday night live writers who you may remember from our nutty professor episode, David Sheffield and beyond the mat director, Barry Blostein. Woo. My boy. I love Ooh, Barry Blostein. My boy. So they, they ended up pinning the script off of Eddie Murphy's idea for coming to America. And it was Eddie Murphy who took the project to John Landis, stating in a 1991 interview with Playboy magazine, he said, I wanted to help Landis. He had done four fucked up movies in a row, 
and I knew he spent a lot on his mo- a lot of money on his trial. That's so mean. So I went to Paramount and I said I wanted to use Landis, but they had reservations. His career was fucked up. But I said, I'm going to use Landis. I like this guy. I used to always say that the one fun experience I had with a director, and I've worked with a lot of directors I really liked, Marty Bress, Walter Hill, Tony Scott. It was John Landis because he plays around on set. I made Paramount hire them. But interestingly enough, this film wouldn't be as fun for Eddie Murphy (laughs) as there were tensions on set between the two men, to say the least. So John Landis said on Coming to America, we clashed quite a bit because he was such a pig. He was so rude to people. I was like, Jesus Christ, Eddie, who are you? But I told him, you can't be late. If you're late again, I quit. We had a good working relationship, but our personal relationship changed because he felt like he was a superstar that everyone had to kiss his ass. He was such a jerk, but great. In fact, one of the greatest performances he's ever given. The character he plays in Coming to America, Akeem, is so opposite of what Eddie really was. A gentleman, charming, and elegant, as opposed to this (laughs) jerk-off. Wow. He said, someone, I think it was James Earl Jones, used to say that when Eddie came on set, it's like an Arctic wind. He says, I mean, (coughs) he wouldn't do this off camera for people. It was bullshit, but I still think he's wonderful in the movie. (laughs) <laughs> that's interesting yeah i didn't realize they like didn't get like could they would keep working together didn't they do beverly home cup three together yeah but it was, was maybe eddie murphy called off there's uh there was something else that happened so it wasn't just that all right so if you want to get eddie murphy's side of the story yeah back yes, to yes. his playboy magazine interview because come on who doesn't like the fine quality of a good old drunk playboy <laughs> interview. Eddie Murphy would also Where call they admit to eating people. <laughs> Eddie Murphy would also uh, call Landis a control freak and conflict erupted when crew members started complaining about not getting paid. And Landis told them to tell Murphy to give him the money. Cause I guess Eddie Murphy, he wasn't the producer, but like he kind of brought, John Landis to the picture, so Landis didn't really feel like a boss. Yeah. And yeah, it was kind of a weird thing. Eddie Murphy um, earning probably half the budget. Yeah. Even even though it was called like Eddie Murphy Productions, you see that very big at the start of the film. He's not a producer on the film. But anyway, he says, You tell Murphy to give you your money. That's BS. <laughs> so he's obviously just fucking around here, messing with the crew. And then Eddie Murphy was already angry at him for giving him attitude after he got him hired when the studio said they didn't want him. And Eddie Murphy told Playboy magazine, I playfully grabbed him around the throat, put my arm around him. And I said to Fruity, (laughs) I said to Fruity, one of my guys, (laughs) you know, how do we do the Eddie Murphy voice? Hey, what happens when people put my business on the street? And Fruity said, (laughs) they get fucked up. He said he was half joking, but Landis grabbed my, there's a four blanks. I don't know what it was. I'm assuming it was his, his dick. He grabbed his dick. His wiener. His wiener. His royal, the his royal print. Penis? Yeah. The his, royal penis. The royal clean. penis. He grabbed it. Uh, maybe it's when they were shooting that scene and Eddie Murphy was naked. Who knows? Um, he said, <laughs> he said he reached down to grab my penis Uh, Like he also thought it was a joke. 
and I cut his wind off. So he's he's got him by the throat. What the fuck? John Landis. Oh, when he clapped. And John Landis grabs his junk and he just like cut his wind off. He said he fell he fell down. His face turned red and his eyes watered up like a bitch. And he <laughs> ran off the set. You ain't got no oxygen like a little bitch. <laughs> he said he ran off set. Fucking punk. <laughs> it's a fucking punk. <laughs> Murphy went on to say in the interview that Landis confronted him in his trailer the next day. He said he came to my trailer later and made this big speech. His voice was trembling and it all came out and he didn't think I was talented. And the only reason he did come into America was for money. And he didn't respect me since I hadn't gone to his trial and all this bullshit, all this fucking shit called me ignorant and asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. Fucking hell. Let's just say you're both right. <laughs> and we'll cut the movie in two and you both get a piece. I think that's kind of what happened. I'm with Eddie Murphy. John Lennon sounds like a little punk. I think that's kind of what happened, to be honest. I, I can imagine Eddie Murphy was probably kind of an asshole as well. Like, you know, because he's not. But he's Eddie Murphy. He's not Akeem. You know, he's not Prince Akeem. He's not yeah. this nice guy. And it's kind of like the total opposite of what Eddie Murphy actually was. He was probably kind of an asshole back then. He was at the peak of his fame. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it would seem that the pair weren't going to work together again, but they did make up because Eddie Murphy invited John Landis to do the very lackluster Beverly Hills Cop 3. But what a story. Holy shit. That's a great story. Have you ever heard about like what John Landis would say about Eddie Murphy and Beverly Hills Cop 3? Because I, I was like looking up some of that and it was pretty funny. No. What do you what do you dick on that movie too? No, he was just saying that like he was he kept trying to get Eddie Murphy to like, and that was co- sort of the problem with the film. He said, you know, I didn't write the film, I didn't have anything to do with the script, so I just kind of came on. I was invited on. And I was like, sure, I'll direct. And and uh, he read the script and he didn't think it was that good, but he was like, oh well, it's Eddie. I'm sure it'll be kind of fine once we're actually in here doing it. And uh, and then like they're sitting there filming it and Eddie Murphy's playing the character like totally different. Like Axel Foley's like grown up and he's like, he's, you know, he's not, he's more serious. He's not joking around. He's not this like wise, mm-hmm. wisecracker, like sort of young rookie anymore. And that's what Eddie Murphy kept saying. And Landis kept trying to get him to turn it on, turn on that Eddie Murphy. But like, come on, be funny. Yeah. Be funny. <laughs> and it just wasn't <laughs> happening. So Yeah. It was kind of funny just reading John Landis just talk about yeah. like, yeah, he just wasn't funny. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. It's funny. He just stopped being funny. I mean, Beverly Hills Cup 3 is kind of uh, underwhelming, although I yeah. like it. It was one of those, it was just on a lot. I've seen that one most, mm-hmm. like more times than the other one. So I have a tough spot. I love the whole theme park thing. Yeah. But compared to like the first one, it's not. Yeah. The first one's so thing. good. Franchise, man. We should do so fucking- funny. Beverly Hills Cop is a mini yeah. a mini franchise, and we'll just end on the very horrible Beverly Hills Cop 3. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into the cast. Obviously, we have Eddie Murphy as Prince Akeem Eddie of Murphy. Zamunda. Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. <laughs> and, and Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. Yes. Never get tired of that gimmick. Eddie Murphy made a personal salary of $8 million for appearing in the film, plus a 15% of film <sighs> rentals. Landis, on the other hand, received so $600,000 plus 10% of the gross receipts. So Landis got a little cut. He did hook him up, you know, like a little cash. It's so hard. We, I mean, people are going to watch it. Eddie Murphy. Yeah. We've talked about this 
during that twilight zone episode it's so hard to like landis because of that shit but man i love his movie so much it's like <laughs> my god yeah. i met him once in like you outside the movie. cinema like um he just really? happened to be walking by and i saw him so i kind of like did that weird cheeky like followed him and i saw him i was like oh you're john landis right and he was like yeah who are you <laughs> he was like really nice it was really strange oh that's funny and i was like yeah i just saw you at the prince charles like we you know we play your films all the time we like you a lot there and he was just like oh thanks you know he was just really nice but it was yeah it's just weird because he's made some of my favorite films of all time but like god yeah Ugh. and he also made he also made Max Landis, which is everybody <laughs> yeah. wants to forget about that. Everybody wants to forget. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah it's weird. Shit he turned out to be. Why am I talking about him? It's okay, it's Eddie weird, Murphy. But he's made some great movies. <laughs> Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. Leave it at that. Yeah. All right. So Eddie, Eddie Murphy, Murphy. He also demanded fifteen hundred dollars a week for his personal trainer, round the clock chauffeur <laughs> service, a valet, and a hundred thousand dollars a week. Sorry, no, not a hundred thousand dollars a week. That's walking around money. A thousand dollars a week. A thousand dollars a week for his brother Charlie Murphy. A hundred thousand dollars. A hundred thousand dollars. It was a Charlie Murphy. Charlie Murphy to appear as his stand-in. Yeah, so Charlie Murphy apparently was hanging around. <laughs> Which is pretty cool. He was hanging around. He was like his, you know, obviously brother, co-writer. Yeah. Charlie Murphy's great. I just think of Chappelle show him hanging yeah, around with too. like prints and stuff. Yeah. I think like he wanted to get people like Prince and stuff into this film, but they just had conflicting schedules. So it would have been kind of funny to like see how that would play out. But yeah, Eddie Murphy, man, this was I don't know. I mean, we've talked a lot about Eddie Murphy already. So we kind of like we know where we're at. This is classic Eddie Murphy. He's great in this role. Uh, yeah. But yeah, like you said, he plays some multiple characters in this film. And this is the first time actually Eddie Murphy played multiple characters in the film. You know, and that become a trademark of his. We mentioned in Nutty Professor, he played like multiple people. And this would mark the uh, first time that he would team up with the Academy Award winning special makeup effects artist, Rick Baker, who did the uh, the makeup for all these characters. So that's kind of cool because we mentioned he won an Academy Award for The Naughty Professor as well, which is pretty impressive. I mean, he's great. His makeup work is great. Did you know he was nominated for his work on Norbit as well? That's insane to think about. No fucking way. Like Norbit was nominated I mean, Norbit for an Academy looks... Award because of Rick Baker. Sure. I mean, that was he nominated for like, did he do American Werewolf? Am I right? Yeah, he, won, a, with John he won an Oscar for the Werewolf makeup yeah good rick baker that'd be weird if he's getting nominated for norbert and nothing for american world he's amazing um yeah that's really throwing me off i mean that's funny (laughs) because it's like people point to norbert um for robbing eddie murphy of an oscar people like he would have totally won for dream girl if norma didn't come out that same year (laughs) and completely fucking ruin his rep yeah but i'm like that rick baker still got some love did the character like i said earlier look great i didn't know literally didn't know one of them was fucking eddie murphy for so long maybe it's the white face um but it's just maybe it's just completely different mm-hmm. and he's doing the gumby voice as well i should have yeah, got it yeah the jewish no gumby the makeup voice. is <laughs> yeah. top notch i think my personal favorite is the the sexy chocolate guy that eddie yeah murphy yeah played, the singer well all right let's just get into these characters then okay so apart from prince akim who's just Without a doubt, Eddie Murphy just looks like him. Right. It's Eddie Murphy. Yeah. We have uh, Randy Watson, 
who is a soul Randy singer. Watson. He's a soul singer with a fictional band called Sexual Chocolate. So it's Randy Watson and the Sexual That's Chocolate. <laughs> and they appear at the Black Awareness Week event, which is by far one of the funniest scenes in the entire film because it's just like so chaotically like funny like there's so much going on in that fucking scene yeah <laughs> like just randy yeah. watson Damn, that boy can so think good. yeah he good so yeah good and terrible yeah because you have clint smith who plays uh sweets sweets the barber Enjoy he's just like man. absolutely loving <laughs> loving randy watson it's so funny and no one likes him it's yeah. so good like just singing that shitty song and like no one likes that book. i believe i believe the children, children are our future. future thank you <laughs> teach him well and let them lead the way thank you thank you thank you Sexy chocolate. So, good. <laughs> so good sexy chocolate Eddie Murphy also plays Clarence, who's the owner of the barbershop, which is probably like the the most like notable. Like, yeah, that's Eddie Murphy. Like, you could kind of tell that's Eddie Murphy, just like really yeah. old makeup, but he looks great, and he's really like a really funny character. Joe Lewis with the hundred and seventy six year old when he fought him. <laughs> so good. Sorry. And he's then so of course, quotable. of course. The man he's arguing with with about Joe Lewis and uh, Rocky Marciano. Rocky Marciano, how come y'all always bring up Rocky Marciano? We're talking about boxing. There's always yeah. a white man got to bring up Rocky Marciano. <laughs> Rocky Marciano. <laughs> That's right. He did whip it dead. <laughs> yeah, and that that guy is Saul, who is the Jewish barbershop customer, who you said that you didn't recognize for so many years, and also that that was Eddie Murphy, and that was also I think. A lot of people with this movie didn't know that was Eddie Murphy Like when they saw this film. Because I think a lot of people don't sit through the credits. And I, I don't even think they even have him credited as that guy until maybe the very end. So, yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. This is insane, insane makeup work by Rick Baker. He looks fucking good. Yeah. Like, it, it looks so legit. <laughs> John John Landis said that it was Eddie Murphy's idea to play the Jewish man as, like, a payback to all the Jewish comedians who wore blackface back in the day. No. <laughs> Eddie Murphy doing it. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Uh, and once, while he was in his, like, saw makeup, he was all done up, he got in a golf cart, and he went between departments at Paramount <laughs> Studios, and he would go over to another, like, area of the studios and he would just like go up to people dressed as this old white man but he would just use his real voice and be like hey i'm eddie murphy <laughs> like that would freak you no the fuck one out. believed him like he no one believed him so aha <laughs> like, uh-huh. you'd be like aha aha you're like wow that old white dude that old jewish dude that's a really good eddie murphy impression how do you do that <laughs> It wasn't just Eddie Murphy doing quadruple duty, as you know, because his co-star Arsenio Hall, who played Simi, as well as Reverend Brown, as well as <laughs> I love the Lord, <laughs> Morris the Barber, and the quote-unquote extremely ugly girl. That's I think what he's credited as uh, during the club scene. I was gonna, I was gonna put that <laughs> with like that's always like I know it's a joke, but it's no me. Yeah, yeah, it's. Yeah, it's sort of like I don't know. It's 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 the eighties, it's weird. I don't know yeah. 
uh, it's, it's a bit dodgy these days. Like you can't do that. And he doesn't, he, he doesn't make a bad looking woman. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's just the way they play it off. But it's, you know, it's funny. Um, Your friend can come too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to eat you alive. Is that what he says? It's like, ugh. Yeah. Um, oh, that sequence is so funny. Yeah. I would Joan of Arc in a former life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the club scene's great. Yeah, the two girls are like... Rapping? Yeah. So, yeah. uh, uh, my name uh, is uh, uh, yeah. all the DJs want to touch my breast <laughs> uh, 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 uh. <laughs> <laughs> so funny sorry I could just quote this movie yeah, all day. it's so quotable I really love the like if we can go back to Reverend Brown I mean all these characters are great like Simi's a great character uh, like I already said Arsenio Hall's underrated I think uh, he's so good in this film like but if we go back to Reverend Brown, oh my God, like I, I was talking about how, how much I love that whole sequence at the black awareness rally thing that they have. And Reverend Brown is so funny. Oh my God. Like for a second, I was trying to remember who, which one that was. Like, I was like, is that Eddie Murphy? But then, you know, Randy Watson comes out and I was like, Oh no, no, that's Eddie Murphy. So that's Arsenio Hall playing Reverend Brown is so funny. He's just like yeah. doing the total, like just stereotypical black preacher sort of thing that you see in mm. comedies and stuff. And just like, ah, praise me, Jesus. He's got the, like the great voice and everything. It's just so funny. The yeah. shitty hair. It's so great. Yeah. He's got the uh, triple H voice, you know, <laughs> like the Sunday. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> 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 Yeah, so Arsenio Hall, though, I mean, like like I said, I, I really like him, man. He, was, he used to be on, like, Soul Train back in the day, and he did all these, like, TV shows, like, TV game shows and stuff. And he even voiced Winston mm. Zeddemore in the real Ghostbusters cartoon back in the day. Yeah, which is fucking badass. Didn't, I thought Eddie Murphy would, like, briefly up for the actual movie. He well. might have been, yeah. He could have definitely And been And I like, there. obviously, I love Ernie Hudson mm-hmm. in the movie. Me too. But- it's always like when Eddie Murphy's in the picture, it's always like a what if, what could have been. Mm-hmm. They could do that now. I'm not I'm not even gonna get started on, <laughs> on, on, on I love on Bernie that. Hudson as well. Yeah. So but hey, yeah, flunk that out in the ether. Remember that. We'll think about it. Maybe I don't know, maybe soon. There'll be uh who knows? Who knows? Just saying. Just saying. Who knows? Who knows? And Arsenio Hall had appeared in Landis, John Landis's Amazon Women on the Moon. So I'm assuming that's how he sort of got connected up with this. But this obviously set him like a little bit more into the stratosphere of being a lot more popular. And after the success of this film, mm. he would get his own late night talk show, the Arsenio Hall show, which was I love that classic, show. Yeah. Really good. And it came back a few years yeah. back, like I think 2011 to 2013. It had a little renaissance, which was kind of cool. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall underwent three to four hour makeup sessions for their various characters. During pre-production, makeup artist Rick Baker, he made life casts of the actor's face and then he constructed clay facial sculptures onto which he molded foam rubber appliances that the actors wore. In addition to this, he had like hand woven hair and also eyebrows and mustache (laughs) pieces. So like, yeah, that makeup work is unbelievable like top notch and it's you know it's crazy like how much better he just got got at it as well because if you go back and look at coming to america and then compare it to like how good the characters look inside of like 
uh, it's out of the nutty professor just, you know, eight years later, seven or eight years later, it's just like really impressive. So tip of the cap to Rick Baker. Testament. Yeah. Yeah. To his work. It's incredible. There's that really good scene though. Cause like, obviously like Simi, like if we want to talk about him a little bit, he's like, he's, you know, he's sort of the, the prince's servant sort of in a way, like he's his friend slash servant. But they're friends. Yeah. Yeah. He's there to watch it, watch out for him. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. But he's obviously like not ready to give up. Cause like Akeem has had too much of the money and the pampering and all that sort of stuff. The high life. Yeah. And he wants, he, he's like, he's like, you know, I enjoy the baths, but I don't, you know, I don't, I don't want rose petals being <laughs> thrown at my feet. <laughs> but like, oh my God. Yeah. I just yeah. want like a real life and a real woman, woman yeah. who like will talk to me and not like bark like a dog. Just <laughs> I think, though. Yeah. I got that scene. Oh man. But Simmy's down for it. Simmy, Simmy's so <laughs> Simmy down. That. He, he's like totally hating on the slum apartment and stuff. And he just like wants, you know, to be hooked up. You know, I love the, he like, Eddie Murphy or sorry, Akeem tells him to like, oh yeah, you know, fix up the place. And he just goes and gets like a jacuzzi and like all this shit. He's, Stereo. You know, he's yeah. bringing Lisa over. Just and they making, have to switch it. Yeah. Switch apartments. is so good. Yeah. But yeah. Like, uh, there's that scene though, when, uh, when King Jaffa and, and, uh, and Oha come in their entourage or whatever, they arrive at the apartment and like, <laughs> Simi opens up the door and just seizes the king and he just goes ah and just slams the door in their face. <laughs> Slammed it. So Your Highness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, apparently that was completely improvised by Arsenio Hall. Which <laughs> is great. And it was like just such a big hit that they just left it into the film. Which was great. But yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of uh King Joffy Joffer, played by James Earl Jones. Ooh. Fucking Darth Vader, fucking Mustafa, fucking yeah. this is CNN, James Earl Jones, the greatest <laughs> voice in movies. And it's nice to actually see him. Yeah. Because he's a great actor, but you don't, you know, he's more known for his voice, but it's nice to actually see him yeah. in the flesh. I kind of had a joke about that with, with Julia because uh, we we were talking about James Earl Jones. I think it was, she's been doing a lot of like quizzes and stuff. And there was like a question about like <laughs> who, who voiced Darth Vader or something like that. I don't know. And, uh, we were t- like, you know, the answer obviously was James Earl Jones. And we we're kind of talking about that. And she was just like, Oh yeah. I mean, you know, he's mostly known for his voice acting. And I was just like, but he's not though. He's like in so many films. It's he's just not. like people only know him for his <laughs> voice roles. I mean, come on. He's in filled with dreams. He's in the sandlot. Like, come on, come on, come on. Yeah, oh and he's my in God, yeah. I love James Earl Jones. He's great. Apparently, Sidney Poitier was uh, originally considered for this role, though. So that's kind of interesting. That could have been that, pretty good. That could have been very interesting. Yeah. But uh, James Earl Jones is just perfect for the role. I think he's just like, it just works so good. He plays the like sort of asshole like king that just like wants to stick to the tradition so well. You know, and this film has a lot of like heavy Star Wars vibes at times. It's clear that they were like sort of paying homage to the film as well. Because like when King Jaffa Jaffa goes to McDowell's restaurant and he's saying like, you know, basically looking for Akeem and like, you know, he's just like, oh, don't worry, I'll, I'll give him a call or something or I'll let him know that you were looking for him. And he's like, I'll tell him you're here. No, do not alert him to my presence. I shall deal with him myself. 
very Vader vibe. Which is definitely like, you know, an homage to Return of the Jedi. He says, Shall I hold? No. Leave them to me. I will deal with them myself. So it's got that same yeah. fucking like line. You are a member of the McDowell Alliance. <laughs> 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 yeah. So it's interesting that King Jaffe Joffer would uh, wear like lion sash, you know, because uh, fuck, man, the, the costumes are crazy. I'll get to those in a little bit, but like they're so insane. Um, this, sh- this shit is like Wakanda before Wakanda. Yeah, definitely. You know, and he wear this like, you know, big lion's sash because obviously you've already said, you know, he was the voice of Mufasa uh, in 1994's The Lion King. But this I didn't know. It's kind of interesting that his wife in this film, Madge Sinclair, who plays Queen Aeolian, would also go on to voice Mufasa's wife, Queen Sarabi, in The Lion King. Really? Yeah. So they just took the king and queen from this movie and made them the king and queen in the other movie. I think that was sort of the whole thinking of it. It was just like, we and like them. in the them. remake as well. <laughs> we like them in this film. So, hey, let's just put them there. In the remake, Sarabi is voiced by Alfie Woodward, which is great. I love Alfie Woodward, but you know, it's kind mm-hmm. of a shame that Madge Sinclair has passed away. They did get, obviously, you know, James Earl Jones. But, I mean, his voice, you know, it's... It's so iconic. It's almost like you can't recast Mufasa. So it is what it is. Um, but yeah, yeah, you know, Madge Sinclair, she's great in this film as well. I love that she's always kind of like on Akeem's side a little bit, whereas like she's the soft touch <laughs> to, uh, you know, the heavy fisted. Like, out. <laughs> yeah, so good. Put a suck in it, Joffy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then we also have Paul Bates as Oha, the royal servant which I was kind of given my little homage oh my to God. at the beginning of the episode, singing my way in. It's like, she's that. your queen. That dude. <laughs> <laughs> that dude is so funny. Yeah. And he's like, I know, I know he, he's not a big character, but honestly, one of the biggest laughs. Wait, two things he does. I forget what the other, but that one where he sings. Yeah. And it's not even the thing. The singing is brilliant, but yeah. it's the, perfect return to stone face yeah 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 you know you're like she and then come back and like nothing again <laughs> yeah. he's so funny so funny it's just yeah. it's just great i love when he's like he comes with all the like the crazy orchestra to wake akim up you know like in the morning they just have this like crazy yeah. like i mean it's insane this film like just what they went to with like zamunda is out of control they're like elephants and shit <laughs> yeah, walking just in the elephants background. Elephants walking around, yeah. Like how? Yeah. So we have Sherry Headley as Lisa McDowell. So this is his love interest, Daddy Murphy Akeem. He comes to Queens to find his queen, and yeah, he ends up meeting Lisa McDowell at the. Uh, well, he doesn't meet her there. He he sees her at the uh, <laughs> Black Awareness event. And he yeah. decides to like go basically stalk her at her father's restaurant, John Amos, playing Cleo McDowell. Huh. Uh, yeah, so, uncut gem star John uncut Amos. Uncut gem star. He plays himself in Uncut Gems. It's amazing. He just plays himself. Like I know, so awesome. That's Love so it. funny. Yeah. Hey, he's a legend. Have to respect. They were doing that whole Kuta Kinte thing as well, like in in the barbershop where they called Akeem. And he Kuta played. Kinte. Yeah, that was an homage yeah. to John Amos, who played the adult Kutankite, you know, 
So I remember getting a huge kick out of that. Again, con- you know, my shit all confused. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, I watched Coming to America as a kid. Yeah. Knew it very well. And then, like, in high school, they had us watch Roots. Mm-hmm. We watched the whole thing. And then when Kun- Kunta Kinte grew up, I mean, and young Kunta Kinte in um, LeVar Burton. Yeah. No? Wow. Chef's Kiss. I love like, oh Le- my God. LeVar Burton. Yeah, Chef's Kiss. Amazing. Me too. <laughs> Reading Rainbow is my life when I was younger. <laughs> Yeah. And then, yeah, he grew up in fucking John Amos. And I was like, holy shit, it couldn't take it. <laughs> but like the movie, yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> all right. I just, yeah. so weird. I love, I just love all the connections and reference. Yeah. That's my kind of shit. I love things that like reference things, but in a interesting way, in a smart way, and think that like, that's something I got to learn mm-hmm. and it made the movie better. Yeah, definitely. Allison Dean plays Patrice McDowell. So the the little sister of Lisa there's a great dynamic with all of them. Oh, like, yeah. She's really funny. Like, she's just always playing this sort of like princess. Yes. Like, how come I never get the good ones? Like, she's just like so, yeah. so like, yeah, bratty. Whereas Lisa's she like throws really herself at both of them. Yeah, it's so great. funny. Yeah. Yes, in the face. <laughs> the John Amos is uh, Cleo McDowell. Like we said, he's he, he owns McDowell's Restaurant, which is this sort of McDowell's. McDowell's. It's not McDonald's, it's McDowell's. It's home. You know, it's home the Big Mac. We have the Golden Oak. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. have the Big Mac. So I found a very funny story about McDowell's when uh, I was looking up some shit for this film. And McDowell's restaurant. So the real life shop was actually a working restaurant. It was a Wendy's that had closed for re- uh, renovations and they were allowed to shoot, shoot and use the building as the location. So there was a menu in the background that was actually a Wendy's a Wendy's menu and stuff, you know, at the, at the counter. And the whole idea was being improved by McDonald's. They were completely cool with it, including the use of the McDonald's operation manual, which was a gag that John Amos is showing. <laughs> and he's through. like, throws it down. Yeah, throws it down when yeah. someone comes in. So funny. Uh, yeah. So that's funny. Yeah. This, this was like all approved by McDonald's. However, that memo didn't get sent out to the local McDonald's manager who was in the area who turned up with his lawyer one day saying that they were going to be sued for every penny they had. <laughs> he's just like, he drove up and he's like, are you fucking kidding me with this? <laughs> are you kidding? Are you fucking kidding with this? <laughs> McDowell's? The giant yellow M of McDowell. <laughs> you thought you could get away with this? In Queen? <laughs> I love how, I love how he's got like, um, <laughs> like the, like the tartan sort of like, ties and all that and the, like the scottish like yeah you know, like little cap little caps and stuff is so good mcdowell's is such a good idea mm. uh all right so we also <laughs> have eric lasalle who plays daryl jinx the heir to the soul glow empire <laughs> which uh, oh god with the maiden yeah. jerry curl god damn I love the joke so where funny. him and his parents are like sat on the leather couch <laughs> yeah. and they all get up and they all have a wet patch yeah. <laughs> Soul Glow is so funny. The only reason why I'm not saying more about it is because there's a little bit more about it a little bit later, but is easily one of my cool. favorite things about this entire movie. Soul Very Glow funny. is so funny. Yeah. Just let your soul glow, man. Just let let your soul shine through. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's wrap up the cast members. We have a bunch of crazy cameos in this film. All right, so we have Louis Anderson as Maurice. Yeah. Who yep. works at the uh, works at the McDowell's, 
which is great. He's working fries and he's soon going to move his way up to assistant manager. He's so proud of himself. It's great. <laughs> Louis Anderson, I think, is coming back for this sequel, I hope. I, I read that he was. Is he still so. working at McDowell? I hope so. Oh, sad. he's just an assistant manager. That would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> he's only made it that far. No, I hope they give him, it's like a fake promotion. He's like a head of Fry. Yeah, yeah just lead, like managing the Fry. Fry cook. Yeah. yeah. They made one up for him. Frankie Faison is the landlord at the apartment building, which is great as well. He's really funny. So funny. Really funny. I love that bit where he comes into the building and he's like, I know you're fucking awake. I know you're alive. <laughs> yeah. You're still on me rent. Yeah, don't try that falling down the, the guy's stairs. Like pretending to be- <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry. We have Jake Stein- uh, Steinfeld. Jake Steinfeld as the cab driver, who we already talked about a little bit. Okay, mm-hmm. so this guy is Body by Jake. If you've ever heard of Body by Jake, which is like this crazy workout system, <laughs> he's the show. Okay. Like, that's him. And he also is known for training like Indiana Jones, like Harrison Ford for Indiana Jones. Like he trained him. For really? Films. Yeah. So he was like this big fitness guy. And I guess they just kind of had him as a weird cameo. Also, he is Haley Stein- Steinfeld's uncle. Mad. Wild. Yeah. Wow. Okay. 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 Biggest cameo probably in the entire film. There's two. Yeah, there's two there's pretty two. crazy ones. But that's one. But this one's but yeah. This one's ahead. pretty fucking great. One. It's like a um I don't know if it's the same one you're talking about. But anyway, it's uh Samuel Jackson as the robber yeah. at McDowell's, which Who is Who the fuck is this at all? <laughs> <laughs> In early Samuel Jackson role where he's still playing like basically a bad guy, uh stick up man. He he kind of complains yeah, yeah. about his yeah, early good career. Fella. He, yeah, good fellow. He does that a lot in his early career, but he's so good, man. You can see how amazing he is just all the way back from this little bit role where he gets his ass kicked by Akeem. Yeah, Akeem fucked him up. Yeah. All right, we also have Vondi Curtis Hall, who plays the vendor who notices Akeem. He's like from his Zamunda and wants to have his picture taken with Akeem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he's like an actor. He's been a That's lot of funny. different things, but he's known for directing Gridlocked, which I think is a really fun film, uh, underrated movie with uh, Tupac cool. and Tim Roth. It's one of Tupac's last movies before he passed away. Um, so put that on your list, Gridlocked, or let me know if you've seen it and you like it. Uh, we have Garcel. Bovice is one of the rose bears. Now she's kind of made a bit of a name of, for herself these past few years and stuff. She was in like Spider-Man home homecoming. She was, uh, the vultures wife, uh, Michael Keaton's character's wife. In that yeah. 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 She's apparently going to be back in the yeah, sequel sure. as well. Like I already said, Clint Smith plays sweets, the barber. So the other dude at the barbershop, we have, uh, the film debut of Cuba Gooding Jr. <laughs> That was the other one I was yeah. thinking of. He's the boy getting so cool. his haircut at the barbershop. He should hang out. Yeah. <laughs> He's just hanging out. He sat there and it's like, holy shit, fucking yeah. Cuba Gooding Jr. And of course, the biggest, like one of the biggest cameos in the movie, this really fun callback to trade in places we have. Of course. Donna Mesh and Ralph Bellamy reprising their roles as Mortimer and Randolph Duke. Uh, is homeless men who like give get given it's money. Perfect. It's so funny. It's we're so, back. We're back. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great. It's a great little callback. It should. Which is funny. <laughs> it shouldn't. It shouldn't warm. It shouldn't 
be like a fun moment because they are such pieces yeah. of shit in trading places. Yeah. <laughs> like racist assholes, but it's just nice to see them. They show up and you're like, oh my God, connection <laughs> yeah. in a time where like, again, crossover and like, yeah, f- fucking they don't like the term, but like cinematic universe, yeah. <laughs> you know, but there, there's a connection there and people, you're like, oh my God, they take place in the same world. I just love the fact that like, I, uh, I, do this podcast with both you and then Ariane over on the Patreon feed and like, Hey, PCC podcast, patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast. Hey, plug. Uh, we just did a plug, plug, triple plug, frontier plug. episode. Hashtag but, that. Uh, yeah. Uh, Ari's always on there sort of gleefully talking about a cinematic universe. And you're like, you're just like, I hate the, the shitting cinematic, on it. just shitting. I hate night. it. I hate it. <laughs> so yeah, people forget, weird. people fucking forget to make the movie good anymore. They just turn it to <laughs> fucking TV and doesn't even matter. You just turn it out episode yeah. by episode and people fucking watch them. Cause they just, it's just, uh, it's like it got done well once and now every fucking studio needs to have one. Like fucking the universal fucking dark multiverse, whatever the fuck it would called. And they announced <laughs> the whole slate of movies. It was like the most cocksure, like fucking so overly confident move by a studio where they announced every month those like Angelina Jolie and Johnny Depp <laughs> and fucking uh, Javier Bardem. And it's like, they're all coming out. We're doing... Brian Frankenstein, Tom Cruise, you know, we're doing The Mummy, and it's like, The Mummy comes out, and it's utter shit. <laughs> and nobody and cares. Just, you just destroyed the whole but thing it had, <laughs> Yeah, but it had Jekyll and Hyde in it, and it's like, it failed. Good. You fucking deserve it, because you were <laughs> trying to do fucking horrible. counting. Yeah. Exactly. What, what, whatever the fucking term is, you know, counting your things before they thing. <laughs> counting your chickens before they hatch. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, I'm so annoyed now. <laughs> just make good movies. Yeah. And they're, they're starting to realize that. They got, like, with Invitable Man, and they're just going to do, like, indie versions of their horror franchise, which is great. All right, do well. That. Ignore what fucking I'm Marvel sorry, Phil. Doing. We, we're, you know, we must move on. <laughs> you know what the other problem with coming to America is? <laughs> if, uh, sorry. you know, if, if I must finish this sentiment off though to uh further so the 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 facts the facts the actual facts that this was a part of the uh john landis cinematic universe that uh trading places the the score from trading places was playing during this scene <laughs> which made it even funny and they actually wanted paul gleason no i love it here they wanted paul gleason to return to play <gasps> clarence beaks but he had some could you know something else going on and he couldn't come back for it so I don't, I don't know how you explain what happened to that character. It always worries me. <laughs> yeah. They leave him on a boat yeah, yeah, in a gorilla suit with another gorilla. He's definitely going to be abused Yeah, more weight than one. Definitely. Maybe he would have been in Africa. That would have been entertaining. He could have been in Africa, like Bro, that's so in funny. Zamunda, in a gorilla suit. They like, get a delivery. Of like exotic animals that he's there. <laughs> and they're like, this is a white dude. <laughs> so, Did anyone very, order a white dude? It's a very strange gorilla. Akeem, looking at you. <laughs> so the name for the fictional country is Zamunda, by the way. We're talking about Zamunda. is said to have been derived from a routine by Richard Pryor, whom uh, Eddie Murphy was a really big fan of, obviously. But it's kind of kind of conflicting. So apparently Pryor had a bit about a place called Zamunda or something, and that's where 
Eddie Murphy took it from, but screenwriters Barry Blostein and David Sheffield, they claimed inside of a like DVD commentary track that the origins come from writer Bob Zamuda from uh the you know from man on the moon like the whole like writing partner partner of andy kaufman so that was originally like through what that was for so i don't know Mm -hmm. i don't know i don't know the legitimacy of that like which one it actually is from because the internet's oh strange place guys and uh, i'm trying to do (laughs) you know research and just finding all this wrong stuff, you know, but whatever. I don't know. Zamunda itself is just amazing. And there's so much amazing stuff that goes on at Zamunda. You've got a beautiful place. It's so well done. Like the set design, the costumes, like, you know, we, we talk about like Rick Baker being awesome, but man, the costumes and the set design are just amazing. Oh my God. It's like an old school musical, like the way it opens up and it's a huge crowd of people doing a very Mm. elaborate routine. And it, it's one of those things you can't just say it. You do have to show yeah. where he comes from mm-hmm. because it's about to change. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So the insane, impressive dance scene at the beginning of the film that was done to celebrate Akeem's wedding that was, I don't know, was that just supposed to happen? <laughs> like, like it's kind of strange because all those people show up and it's just like Akeem's 21 and they're just like all there. He's like, nah. And he just doesn't want to get married. So to this random woman, but like, were they expecting to just like be married just right then and there? Who knows? I don't know. It's kind of I strange. Guess. I guess. <laughs> but yeah, um, it's very weird. There's a, the impressive dance scene that happens during this, which is absolutely amazing. It's something you should definitely go check out because the costumes are wild. The colors and everything that everyone's wearing is wild. Like the, the big hall that has taken place looks insane. Like the sets are incredible. That whole choreographed scene though, was done by Paula Abdul pop legend, Paula Abdul, American idol. Host. Really? Yeah. It's pretty They're crazy. They're fucking yeah. opposite to track lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the one where she danced with a cat. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. It's uh, it's speculated though that like the whole choreograph was uh, due to John Lannis's influence, and the the dance moves were supposed to be like sort of reminiscent of Michael Jackson's Thriller video, which John Landis also directed. We get it. You directed Thriller. <laughs> Fuck every day with the fucking every uh, day, TV. Landis. <laughs> <laughs> so. There go. All right, so the costumes, <laughs> there was over 500 costumes that were designed by Deborah Noodle, Nod, Nodleman, Nodleman, Landis, because uh, it's John Landis' wife. There we go. <laughs> yeah, it's John Landis' wife yeah. who did this. Uh, and she was inspired by the early 1950s new look of fashion designer Christian Dior, as well as everyday styles from the Ivory Coast, Gambia, and Senegal. And the jewelry was created by Catherine Post, a costume designer in Thailand. For the design of Zamunda's royal palace, John Landis took inspiration from Brighton Pavilion in Brighton here in the UK. Really? Yeah. And also Henri Rousseau's 19th century uh, jungle paintings. So it's a good mixture of that. (laughs) Yeah, it's incredible, though. That's cool. All right. Let's get into the soundtrack. Gotta do it. It's a movie with music. We have to do it. (laughs) (laughs) 
So the music for this film was do done it. by Nile Rogers, who is the co-founder of Chic. And he's responsible for... Get lucky. <laughs> he's responsible for the iconic uh, Soul Glow jingle as well. And he suggested that it was That's his like- proudest moment. And I'm just like, yes. <laughs> That's the yes. best dog. Yes. I love you, Nile <laughs> yes. Rogers. Yes. Fucking love you. Okay, so Soul Glow. It's so glow and then get lucky. Yeah. It's <laughs> all right. So l- let me just say, this is the same guy who did get lucky. He also wrote hits <laughs> such as good times. Good times. You know, it's been like sampled so many times. He wrote, <laughs> he wrote, we are family for sister sledge. He wrote, I'm coming out and oh, upside down for Diana Ross. And then he also produced, David oh Bowie's Less Dance. Upside down. <laughs> round and round. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just Oh my god, these songs so are banging. He, he produced David Bowie's Less Dance and Madonna's Like a Virgin. But he is saying that Soul Glow, the Soul Glow jingle is his proudest moment. I fucking love it. I love it. You're not wrong. I love it. Love it's it. great. You're it's not wrong. one of my favorite things. It makes me laugh so hard. I don't know why. It's just so funny. <laughs> like... It's just it's like perfect. It's, it's so perfect. So it's so oh, it's so good. It's so good. And like you said, I mean the the, the little bits like because his hair is just like it's just like water. Like when he comes in from the rain and the water is just beating off of his cherry curls. It's so funny. And then it's just like spraying so it in on his head, like in the car and stuff. And is his family getting up off the couch with the wet patch? Ah. Oh, Beautiful. Such a great idea. Nile Rogers also had a lot to do with the producing of the soundtrack and um, that featured a song that was written for the movie called Coming to America by the band The System, as well as uh, doing a bunch of other you know, very 80s pop songs like Better Late Than Never by Covergirls, uh, That's the Way It Is by Mel and Kim, Living the Good Life by Sister Sledge, and Come Into My Life by Laura Branigan and Joe Esposito. So it's a very fun 80s pop soundtrack. Yeah. There's not a lot that really sticks out apart from Soul Glow, and then there's also Glow. Coming to America is kind of a funny song. But yeah, mm. it's, a, it's a fun, fine soundtrack overall. Yeah. Coming to America was released in June of 1988, making over $128 million in the USA and eventually a worldwide total of $288 million. Pretty good. With several contemporary articles stating that it earned around $350 million, all on a $36 million budget. Wow. That's Eddie Murphy money. He made a lot. John Landis must have made a lot if he had like, what, 10%? Yeah, 10%. Yeah, like $3 million. Probably. Pretty good. Wait, that doesn't make sense. $30 million. <laughs> wow. That's almost as much as Eddie Murphy got like per week. Per week. Out. Almost as much as, uh, as Charlie Murphy got. Just Charlie to Murphy got. <laughs> just to be Eddie Murphy's brother. <laughs> so the film will be nominated for two Oscars. Obviously, we had Best Makeup for Rick Baker. But we also had best costume design for Deborah Nadelman Landis. So Deborah Landis, whatever. I, I can't. I don't know what her, It's a weird maiden name. I'm sorry, Deborah. But yeah, you did a great job. The costumes are awesome in this film. Uh, this film had yeah. mostly positive reviews, but there were some detractors. We had Sheila Benson of L.A. Times calling it a hollow and wearing Eddie Murphy fairy tale and bemoaning 
that an Eddie Murphy movie would come to this. <laughs> what? I don't know. <laughs> Vincent Camby of the New York Times was also critical of the writing, calling it possibly a funny idea, but suggested the screenplay had escaped before it was ready. Camby viewed the film as essentially a romantic comedy, but said the romantic elements fell flat and the film just went beyond and went for broad slapstick. Yeah, I wouldn't agree, but you know, I like <laughs> yeah. the whole fairy tale aspect yeah. to it. I think it actually worked quite well. It's kind of a nice different take. Plus, it's nice to just have like this really awesome film full of a lot of great black actors and stuff, and it's just like really fun and funny and like Yeah. Yeah, why you gotta bring it down? Yeah. Siskel and Ebert. They were mixed on the film. Cisco Great. enjoyed we the go. acting. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Sis, like Roger Ebert just Fucking keeps Roger coming Ebert. up lately. Cisco enjoyed the acting from uh, Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall, but Roger Ebert was disappointed that Murphy did not bring his usual lively performance. And Ebert was also critical of the unoriginal script. <sighs> Roger Ebert's like, oh, Eddie Murphy, stay in your lane. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Akeem is a different character. Yeah. What he's not playing Eddie Murphy. Yeah. And you get to see it with the other, like, with, you know, the other people. It's, very, it's still a very lively performance. Yeah. He's yelling a lot in that movie. Like, one of my favorite bits is when he comes out the window and he's like, good morning, New York. <laughs> Someone's like, hey, fuck you. Yes, fuck you too. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's great. He's, what does dumb fuck mean? He's just yeah. playing the like role of a person who's not from America, just being like stuck in. Jesus like, Christ. It would make no sense for Eddie Murphy to be Eddie Murphy. Yeah. When he fucking Prince Hakeem of the Munda. God damn it. It's like people don't know how movies work. They get so <laughs> caught up in their own shit. Now it's Sorry. you going off on Roger Ebert because I did it a few weeks ago and now it's your turn. I mean, it just it just frustrates me. You know what? I'm just I've been on the internet. I think a bit too much and like reading <laughs> reviews of shit and like even if it's for things I don't like, but it's like you're so purposefully misunderstanding things. <laughs> like everyone is so stupid. Like everyone just doesn't under like don't know how to watch things anymore. <laughs> That's my TED talk. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I did say at the end there that Roger Ebert was critical of the unoriginal script. So we're kind of like, hmm, hmm, Phil, hmm. hmm, guess what? What? Phil, it's that time again. We have an unoriginal script, no Unoriginal script, no Unoriginal script, no It's unoriginal script. We have an unoriginal script oh, lawsuit. Yes. We have an unoriginal script lawsuit. Oh, boy. I love this. This is my favorite time in any Pod Charles Cinecast episode because it comes up way too much. It comes up more than it should. It does. It is a running trope <laughs> in the this last one with The uh, last one with Cable Guy. I yeah, think, the Cable Guy. Which wasn't that long ago. Yeah, it was just a few weeks ago. So funny. There's always a nut. There's always a nut. There's always a nut. Try to get some money. All right, so <laughs> the film was subject to the Buckwalter versus Paramount civil suit, which the Pulitzer Prize-winning humorist Art Buckwalter filed in 1990 against the film's producers on the grounds that the film's idea was stolen from his 1982 script treatment about a rich, despotic African monarch who comes to America for a state visit. Paramount had optioned the treatment from Buckwalter, and John Landis apparently was attached to as the director. 
and Eddie Murphy was supposed <laughs> to be the lead. Big yikes. But after Big two yikes. years of developmental hell, Paramount abandoned the project in March of 1985. And then in 1987, Paramount began working on Coming to America based on a story by Eddie Murphy. That's so funny. Eddie Murphy's like, you know what? I had a great idea. Was it, was it, was it my, probably my idea. It's probably my idea. About an African king who come to America. I mean, it's a pretty the premise doesn't, it's like a fish out of water. Pretty classic. Mm. It's one of those things you can do all you want, but your version isn't the one that made money. Yeah. You know what I mean? People, the, the things that make it great are Eddie Murphy and Landon. And it, you know, you know, yeah. But how did it end? Did he get anything out of it? Dude, they were supposed to be attached to the original project, though. So that makes it even worse. <laughs> it's like the exact same yeah, yeah. people. I'm figuring. And it's like we had this whole fight and everything about how John Landis was brought back by Eddie Murphy. Like Eddie Murphy grabbed him from his like woeful career where he's just like had four shitty movies in a row and he's like in debt because he's yeah. paid out all these people whose family members he's killed and now like <laughs> they've just stolen this now movie from up. someone else buckwald won the breach of contract contract action and the court ordered monetary damages the parties later settled the case out of court before an appeal going to trial for supposedly around nine hundred thousand dollars they stole this movie from this poor man. I mean, like you said, though, it's it's probably changed. It was probably like, you know, a different idea. And Eddie Murphy, like, I mean, you know, the root of the idea was the same, but Eddie Murphy's taken it. Yeah. And given it to I mean, his boys yeah. from Saturday Night Live. And they've written this fun, goofy, quirky film. But yeah. But it sucks. Yeah. And if I was that guy, I'd be pissed. Um, <laughs> but I'm not. So I don't care. Yeah. Well, let's get into the reason why we're here. We're here. Let's wrap it up here. The film's fun. We love it. We've got coming to great. Watch it. The number two, two America coming out, and the whole idea behind this reboot month is kind of us talking about the classic films, <coughs> not really talking about the new films. But we also want to know though: should there be a sequel? Should it happen? Should there be a sequel? So the history of this, before we get into like the sequel that is coming, we we do know that there was a television pilot shot in 1989 starring Tommy Davidson, who was supposed to be playing some other uh, African prince, but it would have had Oha like in the TV show as a servant. But that pilot that yeah. they shot for this TV show went unsold and eventually it did air on CBS's Summer Playhouse, which was like an anthology series that they would show different old unsold pilots every episode. So there's that. There was also a Tamil film called My Dear Mathad- Mathandan? M- Mathandan? Sorry, Marthadon. I don't know how it's pronounced. I apologize, but... It basically sounds like the biggest coming to America ripoff, just this Indian <laughs> version. And then it was also a Hong Kong film starring Chow Young Fat called The Fun, The Luck, and The Tycoon, which basically has the exact That's same cool. plot as well. So we have we've already <laughs> had some ripoffs. We've had a pilot that didn't really happen, but we do know that, hey, actually by the time this episode goes out, because we're recording in ahead. Uh, coming to the number two America is out on Amazon Prime, 5th of March, directed B-O-D. by Craig Brewer, 
who did Dolomite is my name. And it sees most of the cast Perfect. back. Mm-hmm. We've even got the original screenwriter mm-hmm. Sheffield and Blostein back helping out with the story. And we've got some new members of the cast, you know, like Leslie Jones, Wesley Snipes is there as well. So it's going to be interesting. Yes. Should they make a sequel to this? Should it have been done? It's already happened, but should it have done? Yeah, they've made it. This is like the most uh, fruitless argument because it's not like we're yeah. going to stop anything. I think it's everything in this entire season. It's like these few episodes that we're doing uh, for Reboot Month are yeah. all going to be that way because they're all happening. It's not like we can stop it. That's why we're talking about it, yeah. yeah. Um. Well, I'm going to be like, I think I'm going to be all over the place for this month. I think I'm going to be hypocritical because I don't really think you should do just I'm, I'm not sick of sequels and reboots and remakes. <laughs> just like fucking out of ideas. Like I think, like Dusty said that uh, uh, said it to me. Like she was like, cinema's only been around like a hundred and like something years. How have we run out of ideas already? <laughs> you know, like fucking hell. And it's just and it's the same shit. But done like this, done like a Bill and Ted, sort of very authentic offering from the people involved, I'll take it. Yeah. I like, I love coming to America and I'll totally fucking watch coming to to America. America. (laughs) I really wish the fucking title was different. I remember the original title was coming to America too. And I was like, why would you name it that when coming back to America is right there? Yeah. Coming back to America. They went with coming to America. You could even leave the number two in, which I'm a fan of. Numbers, I mean, come on, Fast and Furious. Me too. Too far, too furious. Amazing, beautiful, best. Fast five, best. Fate, fate of the furious. Best. Don't even, don't at me. <laughs> um, everyone, it looked like fun. The new one, it looked like yeah. uh, you know everyone's back, which is all I'd want to see. Um, I can't really judge it too much from the trailer. It looked like they flipped the premise, where he had somehow had the son in New York yeah. and they bring that kid to the Munda. Mm-hmm. but they flipped it there. I don't. So right there, I don't know if that version is that interesting or that charming as Akeem coming to New York because it's such an interesting story. Yeah. And it's, again, it's always like we make a sequel to something 30 years later. Oh, it can only be about thing one thing, and it's about parenthood. About <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's the only thing yeah. these people have to talk about. Yeah. It's like, again, Bill and Ted, it's like, you know, Bill and Ted 3, it's just about their kids. And I liked Bill and Ted 3, yeah. so... I'm open. I'm open to this one, aware, and I'm not open to other ones. It's because it's not, like, it's not too sacrilegious. Everyone's there. It's a comedy, cool. Like it's fine. Chill. It's not fucking Dumb and Dumber Two where you're like this is just fine. <laughs> yeah. And everyone Why looks. <laughs> everyone looks exactly the same. Yeah, it's like crazy. It made in 1989 or whatever. Yeah, it's crazy how good uh, Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall look in this. Uh, so I saw the original trailer that kind of came out and I was just like, it doesn't give away too much. And it's just like, holy shit, this looks really fun. I'm kind of like looking forward to it. And then I watched another trailer that kind of gave way too, like, I'm tired of this as well. Like spoiler city in trailers. It just felt like the whole plot, the whole plot yeah. was being laid out. And I don't need that. Just give me like a, I don't know. I shouldn't have watched it. It's my fault. But anyway, uh, and yeah, <laughs> it still looks kind of fun, but it just gave away too much. But I, I I don't know how I feel like it, it doesn't need to be done. Nah, not really, because the, the original film is no. great. It's fun. But like, you know, as long as they're kind of having fun with it, like you said, Bill and Ted is kind of fun. It, it kind of works. 
I'm just kind of glad they're not rebooting it. Like, you know, like, or, yeah. well, it's weird. Just redoing it with different cards. Because reboots and, and, uh, and remakes are kind of different in a weird way. Because, like, obviously, Bill and Ted 3 sort of had this sort of vibe that it could have been a reboot. It's a sequel reboot. Yeah, because you could almost. If it done well. Yeah, we could almost make a case for giving those daughters, like, their own film. Like, and people seem to really like them a lot as well. So it's like, okay, maybe, mm. maybe. Um, but yeah, this, something who knows, I haven't, we haven't seen it yet, so we don't really know if they're going to try to go like, oh, there's going to be a new star with a young guy <laughs> coming three America, <laughs> but I don't, I don't see the point of that, but yeah, if it's just like sort of a tasteful sequel years later, getting the band back together is fine, but it doesn't need to be done, you know, and there still are like plenty of good directors out there bringing like some really unique, uh, you know, original ideas to the screen, even if you're kind of like using plots or elements from your favorite films and stuff. But I mean, just think about like what the softy brothers are doing or like Jim coming or like, there's a lot of good stuff yeah. out there. Chloe Zhao is doing a lot of fun, and interesting stuff that, you know, it's just, yeah, man. there's a lot of good young directors out there who are making Balance. great movies. You know what I mean? We can have, have both. They're original. They're original. Totally original. Yeah. So, yeah. But we can have some unoriginal stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Whatever whatever make make the stupid movies as long as you need to you know who cares whatever Mm. like people complain too much because there's so much out there as well like there is so much who cares just go watch something else like i i used to complain more i used to yeah nobody's making you yeah i used to complain so much more when i was younger i hated sequel like the sequel reboot like remake sort of shit and it's like no i'm just like who cares dude it's like you don't have to watch it you just watch something else like i like old movies because there's still so many i haven't seen and i'm just like all right i'll go watch old movies so yeah that's where i said i'll like it i'll like it i'll liken it to uh like going to see like an old band right yeah you go see the stone and it's fucking nostalgic it's a great tip tour and you just want you just want to hear them play the hits and you don't want to hear new shit. With a movie, it, it can go either way. I would rather them try something new. Even if it doesn't work, do something new. Yeah. But not with a band. Because if I'm paying fucking $100, I don't want to fucking hear whatever you think is good music today. Yeah. I want to hear <laughs> what you wrote 50 years ago and made you. And it's still good. had proven itself time and time again. So it's like, it's a balance. It's like, uh, how much are you just calling back to the original and being making people be like i remember that and like f- sort of praying off the love of the original mm. like it's what the lion king remake did shot for shot remake and it it only works because you've seen the original so it doesn't really work on it now because you're filling in the <laughs> blank yeah. you know what i mean so it can get away with all that thing so i i feel like it's kind of it's gonna be a bit of Back and forth. We'll see. Some some of these, I think, some of these movies I'm like fucking down for. Yeah. And some I'm like, burn it. Burn it before it comes out. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see if we really do get kind of hypocritical in the next few weeks. Um, because like, at the end of the day, I still kind of want to stick by my I don't really care, but it, I'll also be like, yeah, I don't know. Happy. Watch it. I'll ha- <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll happy to. I'll be happy to say, like, you know, maybe some definitely shouldn't be made. But I don't know. I don't want to be. I don't want to be a gatekeeper. You know. Yeah. Uh, not doing that. Yeah. 
I'm not gonna be a gatekeeper. I don't want to gatekeep these stupid films and be like, you can't make the author so precious. It's not. It do, it doesn't matter. Nothing's that important, <laughs> you know. Like who cares? Yeah. Like nothing. Fucking, it doesn't like, matter. Do it's another Star fiction. Wars movie for all I care. Who cares? Yeah. Dude, make a hundred more. Them. I don't give a shit. Like recast. Just make them good. Recast all of them. Who cares? Stop fucking complaining about it. Just redo the fucking original Star Wars movie and just recast Luke Skywalker. Recast like Han Solo, just keep doing it. They I don't better care. not do that. Do it. They, they I don't care. Do, do it. Do it. Swear to God, they you don't have do to that. watch it. Go watch no. your old movie. <laughs> I'm gonna have to watch it though. They know that. Yeah, they know. They know that you're gonna have to watch it. It's like a, it's a sickness. They, it's a sickness. They got me now. They got you. Yeah, they got your money. Uh, <laughs> that's yeah. it here. We'll we'll see. They, how- they already got. They already got my money. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens in the next few weeks. Next week, ooh, programming news here. We're gonna um actually take a little it's gonna be a little bit different we're not gonna do a reboot week next week we'll pick it back up the week after next we're gonna have a little bit more of a chilled episode and uh you'll see what what we're doing when we get there and also hey over patreon.com forward slash the pcc podcast you can you know support the podcast we give you bonus episodes like over there uh, we just released a Triple Frontier episode coming up this month. We've got another another couple of fun episodes. Me and Ari are going to pick back up with the fate of the Furious uh, for our Fast and Furious series that we're doing over there. And fate. The fate, the number eight. Um, the number eight. <laughs> and then Fuck we're also going to be doing uh, The Quick and the Dead by Sam Raimi. So it's a lot of fun stuff going on nice. there. But we are also doing a little bonus episode for our boy Will Dunn who became Good Bagel Boss no we're not Phil and I are gonna have no, to talk I don't about that. Uh, the Garbage Pail Kids fuck <laughs> <laughs> so that's happening over at patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast next week maybe I'll throw that bonus episode out into the main timeline as a bonus little episode who knows we'll see we'll find out anyway I'm so ashamed of myself already and I haven't even seen it yet yeah. Fuel <laughs> for what I'm about to put into my brain. Yeah. Well, guys, you can always find me at Tall for All, T A L, the number four A L L, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and always at the PCC podcast on Twitter and Instagram for the podcast. And you can email us at podcast.com. Hit us up. Tell us how we're doing. Let us know if you like coming to America, if you're excited about coming number two America, if you saw coming to America. Uh, maybe we will talk about that a little bit next week as well if we happen to watch it in the meantime. But yeah, anyway, um, Phil, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at FarawayThad on Twitter and in real life. Yeah, let us know what you think of coming to America. I'm always interested in stuff like that, having aged well with mm-hmm. people, you know, don't like it or haven't seen it and are watching it for the third time. Yeah. I like how different people react to it. And also, I'm very impressed with us, fucking two hours or whatever. Talking about coming to America with no cum jokes. We just have met a middle. <laughs> you fucked it, it up, Phil. <laughs> you just <laughs> fucked it up right at the end. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Cut it, cut that out. Cut it out. <laughs> <laughs>